Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols, and we are starting our show today with Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Mark, you're a key participant in this big Board of Governors meeting happening today. And at one point, many had hoped that some specific decisions would emerge, how many teams are going to play in a resume season, what format the postseason would have. Now that the day is here, how likely do you think it is that we will get some of those answers today? I really don't even know, Rachel. I mean, I wish I could tell you. I wish I knew. But there's still, I mean, there's just so much uncertainty. And, you know, the only certainty I I have is that it's going to be safety first. And I'm sure that'll be part of the discussion. And once we feel more confident there, then we can start drilling down on final decisions on dates and places and teams. Safety is such a tough thing because there's no zero risk situation with the fact that there's no vaccine right now. So how do you get your players comfortable with the idea that it's going to be safe, but not foolproof safe. Just honest and transparent, you know, where they have uncertainties, where they don't, they have questions without answers. We tell them exactly what we know, you know, and, and that's the only way to do it. And um, like you said, there, there's no fail safe approach, but as long as we lay everything out as we know it. And, you know, the other side of it is the other thing we do know is that the science keeps on getting better and we keep on learning more every day. So between the decision point, and when we actually start, we have the opportunity to see improvements there as well. If a player listens to all of this and says, you know what, I, I just I don't feel comfortable. I, I don't want to do it. Maybe it's something with his own health, a family member. What do you think should happen to that player and his contract status and all of that? I don't know, honestly. That's kind of a CBA issue, so that has to be addressed by the league and the players' union. But, we, you know, again, we just got to be transparent with everything. Of course, there's going to be uncertainties. You know, you look back when Magic Johnson announced he had HIV and looked at the response there. You know, at the beginning, it was really dramatic and the people were, the players were really adamant that they didn't want to play. But as more knowledge came out and, and there was transparency, guys understood the details. Well, there's so many ways to do this when you do go back and do it. Is it all 30 teams, just the 16 teams that would have made the playoffs on the night of the shutdown? Mark, you've made a proposal that we have a play-in tournament for that final postseason spots, those last few. Sell me on your idea here. <laughs> well, there, there's a couple things. One, you know, you're going to have to play games before we get into the playoffs. You don't want to throw guys right into the, the heat of the playoffs. Just physically, it'd be a problem. Part two of the proposal was take the top 10 teams from each conference. Then you have a one-game or three-game play-in where 20 plays 17 and 18 plays 19, and then that goes into the playoffs from there. This is like reverse Shark Tank. You're now going to have to sell this to Adam Silver. Yeah, I have Do to you- think about it, too, because I'm used to writing it, not talking about it. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it's fair. It creates excitement. It gets all players a reason to play for the most part. Um, it meets those financial obligations, which are important after this long shutdown. Um, and it gets something exciting for the fans. All the young players that are on the outside now have a chance to be part of the playoffs. And I think really will create a lot of excitement. Adam Silver has been hearing from several owners about they want what they want. And frankly, not everyone wants the same thing. So how do you think a final decision is actually going to get made here? I'm sure Adam does what he'll do. He'll do what he does best. He'll talk to all the different owners and get their perspective and bounce ideas off of them, get their feedback and find out their logic. And then 
we'll all get together, discuss it, and make the decision. I mean, that's one of the great things about Adam. He's open-minded. He's willing to listen to just about anything. And, you know, he knows how to take – he knows how to herd cats, which the 30 Board of Governors typically end up being. How much discussion is there inside these meetings? Does it get argumentative? You're talking about 30 really strong voices who have led giant companies and certainly have their own ideas about what they want to do with this team in the season. Yeah, this is a unique situation. Um, You know, everybody is in a different financial situation personally, so that has an impact. And does that get contentious every now and then? Yeah. You know, have there been screaming battles? Typically only people yelling at me. But, um, I, but you know, we've, we've done this long enough and everybody's in it for the same reason with the same goals. So we usually get to a good um, conclusion. Next week is the start of June. What is the ticking clock in your head for when the NBA does need to have that conclusion, needs to have most of this stuff hammered out and teams can get the guidance on how to proceed so a resume season can actually happen? Yeah, I think you work backwards from next season. I've always been a proponent of starting on Christmas Day when we go to broadcast. And so if you work backwards from there and say, okay, we want to have two months off for draft and everything and players to recover. So you've got all of November, all of October. So we don't have to finish till the end of September. So what do you think that means in terms of when a decision needs to be made? I, I mean, you can accelerate. I mean, I think we have time. I mean, we can start playing August, you know, for that matter, because we don't have all the travel restrictions. Everybody in one, maybe two, but probably one location. You don't have to fly across country, you know, give everybody one day off if you need be. You play multiple games in one day. So you can compress it in ways that we never were able to before. So I'm not, you know, I don't think like there's a drop dead date, you know, maybe September, you know, August, start by August 1st, you know, in order to make it. So that gives us plenty of time. You mentioned everyone's going to be in one place. It is so unique. It's brought up a lot of people with sort of some of the suggestions that haven't succeeded in the past. How about seating everyone one through 16 since there's no travel, things like that. How different in the end, whether it's because we have playing games or whether because it's seated one through 16, are these playoffs going to be? Or do you think in the end, if you had to put your money on it, it's going to be 16 teams, it's going to be east and west, it's going to be a regular kind of bracket? I don't think it'll be regular because, you know, this is our chance really to experiment and learn. And, you know, unique circumstances, unique opportunities. So I'm confident we'll take advantage of it and do something differently. Um, It's just I just think that's smart from a business perspective. And I think the players want that as well. As long as you give players something to play for, I think that, you know, they'll recognize that this is an opportunity because it's not inconceivable that a team that was, you know, at the bottom of the standings can all of a sudden make a run and get hot. And really, you know, coming back like this favors younger teams because it's going to be easier for a young player to get, you know, get it back and get that athleticism going and get ready than it is an older player. So anything's possible. So I think expanding that opportunity would be good for the league and can create some incredible excitement for fans. A team with a younger player like Luka Doncic, maybe? Just to throw something out of the air? Well, we're already in it, but yeah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I want to switch gears. You tweeted yesterday, quote, it's time to recognize that HGH can positively impact injury recovery. Right now, Mark, the NBA hands out pretty hefty suspensions if a player tests positive for human growth hormone. Do you want to change that? Absolutely. You know, the thing about HGH is it's never been – the reason it was barred was because the world um, – the WADA – I forget the exact um, – World Anti-Doping yeah. Association. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they banned it, right? And they really was, there really was no research or real 
complete logic for doing it. So a couple of years ago, I said, oh, look, if there's no, no data there to dismiss HGH, well, let's find out if it can help for injury recovery because it's been discussed as having that ability. So I worked with the University of Michigan and we put together a study. And as it turns out, you know, using comparing um, players, um, athletes who received HGH for recovery versus placebo, there was a significant improvement in their recovery time and getting back to full strength. And so now this is the first step towards an, um, offering data. And hopefully the NBA, the Olympics, other leagues will look at it and say, let's do some more studies. I'm willing to get involved with more studies financially. But if we can get the leagues to do it, I think the players also will all be for it as long as you can prove that it's safe. If you can get them back on the court or on the field, you know, and have them up to full speed sooner, why wouldn't you do it? Interesting. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Rachel. Stay safe. And coming up, Woj joins the show with all of the details on that NBA Board of Governors meeting. Mark and I were just talking about the stakes for the NBA right now and so much more when the jump returns. Stick with us. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. GEICO has the insurance industry-leading app that lets you manage your policy anytime, anywhere, which means that GEICO is always there for you, if only everyone was always there for you. Like animal control, when you're cornered in your garage by an angry possum. Hi, me again. Uh, you guys said you would be here about an hour ago, and um, I think the possum is starting to get angry. I, uh, listen, I thought if I fed it, it would go away, but now it is ripping holes in the drywall and making some sort of nest. Just call me back. <laughs> GEICO, always there for you with savings and the industry-leading mobile app. Saturday, another UFC fight night is on ESPN and the app. The main card starts at 9 o'clock Eastern with the prelims at 6 Eastern. And now I'd like to welcome in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, to the jump. Welcome, Woj. And before we dive into the Board of Governors meeting happening today, I do want to mention this afternoon a few of the Timberwolves players, including Carl Anthony Towns, are attending a rally for justice in Minneapolis that's being hosted by actor Jamie Foxx and our friend Stephen Jackson. Well, you recently had a very candid conversation with Wolves coach Ryan Saunders. Your story is up for everyone who should read it on the ESPN app. But what struck you most? Uh, you know, with Ryan Saunders, Rachel, and really that entire organization, Gerson uh, Rosas, Joe Brantz, their assistant GM, David Vanderpool, their associate head coach, the latter two are both African-American. Uh, how deeply this organization felt about it, how they wanted to include their players um, a very young team, the youngest team in the league, uh, to get them talking about this and how they can move forward, try to impact that community. But Ryan Saunders, Rachel, as you know, he's unique to that place. This roster yeah. has been completely turned over since last year, except for Carl Anthony Towns and one other player. Gerson Rosas came in, hired a new front office. But Ryan Saunders grew up in Minnesota. Uh, his dad is obviously is a legendary uh, late coach of the Timberwolves, Flip Saunders. And uh, just how deeply he felt his love of that place, how disturbed he was about what was happening in Minnesota. And then, you know, as he said to me, as a 34-year-old 
white male who does not understand what it means to be uh, an African-American in this country. And that was part of why he wanted to sit with his players and hear them out. And there was one story, Rachel, that really uh, struck him. One of the staff members told them about how when they go jogging on the road, um, staying in a hotel, how that uh, staff member has to think about where he puts his phone uh, on his body. Does he put it on his waist or does he put it on his armband? Because what he fears is if I put it on my waist and I reach for it, there might be somebody who thinks I'm reaching for a gun. And and for Ryan Saunders, to the way that hit him, the way it would a lot of us, that is not part of my reality or Ryan Saunders' reality. And and I thought that his story was a little instructive to how a lot of us in this country um, can look at this and, and try to be empathetic on one end, but also try uh, to play a role in, in, in change and, and making things better. Absolutely. So important to listen, 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 and then use your voice to speak for justice. All right. I want to switch gears here. This is such a critical moment for the NBA. And I was struck on your Woj and Low crossover podcast. We heard you say, quote, the future of the league is at stake. You said it more than once, Woj. Can you expand on that, on what you meant by that? Uh, Rachel, how the league builds out from this summer and into next season and the following season, there is going to be a dramatic loss in revenue. And how does the league and the union work together to figure out uh, how it continues to allow the league to function, I think especially in a competitive environment. I think, think about, Rachel, the teams who very likely are going to get left out of this summer's um, resumption. And, and whether that's eight teams at the bottom, six teams at the bottom, ten teams at the bottom, we're still waiting to see. But I think we're confident there will not be 30 teams in Orlando. Um, many of them small market teams, not all, the Knicks, are part of that group. Golden State's part of that group. Sure. They'll be fine. But other organizations where, you know, the, the team, especially younger rebuilding teams who are not going to be able to play structured basketball for nine months from the end of last season and a season that we're confident is going to start sometime in late December, what it does competitively for them and then financially for them, especially heading into a season where teams don't know if they're going to be able to have fans in arenas or how many fans they might be allowed to have. And I think competitive balance has been an issue in this league. They have tried to address it with revenue sharing. But if those small market teams don't have fans in their building and they don't have those gate receipts, right. and then the big market teams may not have that or have less, well, then they've got less revenue sharing. You know, these smaller teams are getting $24, $28 million plus from big market teams this is going to have a could have a dramatic impact on what competitive basketball looks like in the NBA. And so I think as much revenue as they can get out of this summer moving forward, but also the teams that are left behind here and not playing, I think mm -hmm. there's bigger issues for them moving forward, Rach. It's going to be so interesting, and that's why these conversations, the Board of Governors meeting this afternoon, is so critical. It has so much weight. It's more about just who's in the playoffs. It is, as you say, about the future of the NBA. And Woj, it doesn't sound like they have consensus yet. There are so many competing issues, and these are owners who are very powerful, used to running their businesses, and they are all in Adam Silver's ear. When these big decisions finally need to get made, who will make them and how? I mean, ultimately, Adam Silver 
is going to largely make the decision, you know, in conjunction with Michelle Roberts and the Players Association. Um, but, you know, for Adam Silver, he's not going to get consensus here, and he knows that. And I think what he's going to try to do is take as many elements that might impact any number of groups and incorporate them into a plan here. Everybody's not going to get what they want. Everyone's going to feel like they were a little shortchanged, but that's what compromise is. And I don't know if there's any faction of this um, that's not going to come out of this going, oh, you know, we wished A, B, and C. And what he's got to do right now is rally the owners and the teams um, to, to get back to thinking of what is best for the league overall and to allow him to be able to move forward with, with generally the support of the larger group because it's going to take 30 teams to help the NBA get out of this. They need the entire league. It's not just the star players. It's not just the big markets. And I think for Adam Silver right now, uh, he's at a point where I, I think he has a pretty strong idea of how he'd like to proceed. But at the end of the day, he works for these 30 owners. And there are those at the bottom of the league who want to continue playing, who are still pushing for that. There are those mm-hmm. who uh, have less motivation to play. But it is harder for him to just unilaterally say, hey, guys, this is what it's going to be. Like, let's move on. At some point he has to, and I think they're getting there. And I think that Board of Governors call today um, allows you know some of the last-ditch uh, politicking lobbying that's going to go on before the league moves toward a decision here in the next few days and they roll it out. Yeah, well, well, you heard Mark Cuban on our show earlier say that uh, dealing with the Board of Governors is like herding 30 cats. Uh, Hopefully, Adam Silver is able to manage that this afternoon and we can get some more concrete plans going soon. I am excited about the plan in Orlando. I will say that uh, I called dibs on staying at the Haunted Mansion. I don't know where in Disney World you would like to go. Space Mountain's available still. Rachel, I remember being there uh, right when the lockout was ending. I guess that was 2011, right around Thanksgiving. And I remember being in the lobby. My family was sleeping in the room, the Wilderness Lodge. And in the lobby, <laughs> there it, was we go. Four East, it was 4 Eastern uh, when, when I was reporting on the story that the league was going to come back from the lockout. And so that's, that's probably my, uh, maybe my least favorite Disney memory. <laughs> well, we know where to find you in a couple months. Thank you, Woj, so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Coming Thanks, up, Rachel. James Harden looks like he lost some weight in his latest Instagram picture. Will this new look lead to big results if the season resumes? That's coming up next on The Jump. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. At 4 o'clock Eastern, it's a full hour of UFC Live. They're going to preview the fights this weekend. That's followed by SportsCenter at 5 with the PTI guys joining at 5.30. And now I want to welcome a couple champions to this show as the revolving door continues here on The Jump. We're going to go in chronological order, guys. 2008 NBA champ Kendrick Perkins, 2016 NBA champ Richard Jefferson. Welcome, friends. 
want to talk oh. to you guys about James Harden because his latest Instagram picture shows a trimmed down physique. A recent story in The Athletic detailed the intense workout regimen that the league's leading scorer has taken up during quarantine. His teammate, Austin Rivers, even commented on it on an Instagram Live saying, quote, Y'all can call it what you want, but remember, Beefy Harden was averaging 36, so I don't even know what Skinny Harden is going to do. He definitely lost a cool 20 pounds. Guys, Harden's averaging 34, so Rivers isn't too far off there, but Perk, you've been on a weight loss journey yourself during quarantine. Does Harden's apparent weight loss change your expectations for the Rockets? Absolutely, Rachel. Look, I'm, I'm happy to see that James was dedicated and and took and and used this time wisely during this pandemic, and he wasn't hanging out with his good friends, the little baby and Meek Mills. It shows dedication. <laughs> James was in the lab, and it's going to be dangerous. You talking about a guy who's one of the most prolific scorers to ever touch the basketball, and he then lost weight, and he's dedicated. It's going to be dangerous, and it puts the Rockets up there as a heavy favorite to win the title if the season resumes. So I, I love what James is doing. I love his dedication. And ooh-wee, you talking about wait, averaging wait, 34. Wait, 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 Perk, 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 what? Did you, what? Say him lo- did you say him losing 20 pounds is going to propel them to the favorites to win a championship? Yes, it is, because that's the whole problem, that he always got tired, and he always got exhausted, and he always disappeared in the fourth, and you know, with being conditioned, and, and putting yourself in better, and getting yourself in better shape, that affects it, so, at the end, when it's time in the crunch time, in the fourth, is gonna take them to newer heights, absolutely. No. One, there's always two components to the weight loss. Does that mean he was overweight before? I don't necessarily think that that was the case. The man was playing. No, that is the case, RJ. Could he have been in better shape? Yes. And that is scary. To your point, Perk, that is scary to say that if James Harden is in better shape, what he's capable of doing. I think that this is a trend. This is a thing that always happens. When you're super young, your goal is to try and put on weight, to get stronger. And then you get to an age level where ultimately you're trying to slim down a little bit to preserve quickness and to preserve stamina. Do I think him losing 20 pounds is all of a sudden going to propel them to the NBA favorites? No, because I don't think their team is equipped that way. I don't think their organization and and the players around him, ultimately, that they have talent, but I don't think that this all of a sudden vaults them to the favorites now that he's lost 10, 15 pounds. RJ, listen, I was with him in OKC, and he always had a weight problem. What you don't know, they always was on James about losing. Yes, they was always on James about losing weight. And you telling me two MVPs in their prime, still in their prime, are are not a heavy favorite when one of the guys are coming back in better shape? No. I mean, come on, RJ. Uh, Okay. Starting lineup is six foot six. Okay. 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 Because you got to understand, they're still still Greek freak. still Braun, there's still AD. So I appreciate him losing this. I do definitely believe that this will help their chances in the way they're trying to play. But all of a sudden, what? like that doesn't just vault them to favorites. That's my problem. What? No, I'm not saying RJ, I'm not saying I'm not saying that they are the ultimate favorite, but that's not act like they wasn't a title tender. Richard, who do you think is best positioned, though, after this? Because I like Perk's point that it rested James Harden makes them more dangerous. 
It does make them more dangerous, but to say that they're favorites, to me, that this makes them, you know, second round, possibly competition. Oh, my God. There goes the hate. That's somebody. We're going to keep talking about this all weekend. Thanks for joining us on The Jump. We'll see you on Monday.